Hello, it is Ryan, and I was on a flight the other day playing one of my favorite social spin slot games on chumbacasino.com. I looked over at the person sitting next to me, and you know what they were doing? They were also playing Chumba Casino. Coincidence? I think not. Everybody's loving having fun with it. Chumba Casino is home to hundreds of casino style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere, even at 30,000 feet. So sign up now at chumbacasino.com to claim your free welcome bonus. That's chumbacasino.com and live the Chumba life. No purchase necessary. DTW, void, we're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus. With lucky landslots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to. Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Schweikert, Gannison, Krizak, Rundio proudly sponsors the Friday Night Drive. I'm Mike Krizak. If you've been injured, we are ready to take on the insurance company and get you to the end zone. We've recovered hundreds of millions of dollars for our clients. Visit G-A-N-A-S-S-I-N.com. everybody and welcome into another edition of the Friday Night Drive podcast. Jake Bartles and Josh Welge here taking over for Kyle and some other guys this week. Looking forward to talking football with you guys um, as the season is rapidly approaching. Josh, we're getting football previews done. We've been out at practices uh, and there's some latest news coming down from the IHSA and IDPH uh, right before we tape this pod. Yeah, yeah, there is. Uh, uh, again, thanks for everyone for joining the Friday Night Drive podcast today with Jake and I. Uh, we're going to be uh, we'll be taping a podcast every week where we're going to be focusing a lot on um, you know Kane County, Kendall County, Page County, kind of our neck of the woods uh, football. So you can look forward to that. Um, so we'll be talking a lot about that. And uh, and before we talk about the news of the day. Um, you know, for anybody that hasn't subscribed to Friday Night Drive yet, you know, we certainly encourage you to do so, and we thank those that have supported us so far. I know um, we have a deal right now that you can uh, you can get Friday Night Drive for I think ninety nine cents a week uh, for a, for an annual subscription, which will get you covered for um, not only the spring season but also the fall season, which is just around the corner, uh, too. So uh, again. Thanks everyone for the, your support, and uh, and we encourage other ones, uh, everybody else, to join us. Um, J- as Jake mentioned, some kind of big news just broke in the last hour with the IHSA and the Illinois Department of Health uh, coming out. That uh, uh, Jake, I think you might have seen this more than I did. That for outdoor sports, at least outdoor events, at least the uh, fan capacity can go from fifty to was it 20 percent it is 20 percent so yeah to to be clear it's for outdoor sports only and there's some details that we're still waiting on because there could be a lot of different um interpretations within this but for schools that are within phase four which is everybody in the state um it increases the spectators from your typical 50 people that we've seen for basketball uh, to an increase of 20 percent venue capacity for outdoor sports so uh, obviously good news um, for, for people that are wanting to get out, you know, outside and, and participate and, and see these games. But we're not totally sure at this point what the actual 20% stadium capacity means. Is that bleachers? Is that standing room only by the end zones? 
We're still kind of waiting to see what some of those parameters are. But for now, the baseline news is 20% capacity. Yeah, it very. it'll be interesting to see if uh, they leave some of the interpretations up to the districts about how they want to handle it, uh, how schools want to handle that individually. I know in basketball season, they had that 50-person limit, but each school and each conference has sort of done their own thing, whether it's allowing just home fans to come, whether it's allowing, you know, two for each side. In some cases, they haven't allowed fans at all. In most cases, we've seen just adults, or not adults, we've seen just, like, parents at at games. I have not seen too many um, students at games. I don't know what you you can say. Um, It's been strictly parents for 99% of it. I think, you know, sometimes, like, there'll be, like, the, the freshman or JV team that finished up in the other gym. They might, you know meander on over but for the most part it's it's been one or two parents per per athlete yeah me as well i know saturday at geneva there was a handful of students that were there and they were (laughs) they were making a lot of noise and it was very unusual to hear you know students making noises at games because i just haven't seen it at all this school year but certainly um you know kind of welcome news i'm sure for a lot of these uh well hopefully schools certainly teams fans that follow it that um, you know not only parents will get the opportunity to see these kids play but hopefully some of their their classmates as well um, obviously being outdoors I'm sure the state sort of kind of took that into consideration when when they made this announcement I know if I'm not mistaken earlier today um, city of Chicago came out that uh, they're gonna allow fans at a certain capacity level by opening day so um, and you've seen that elsewhere as well. So um, it's sort of reflecting a trend that we're seeing elsewhere. Yeah, I, yeah, you're exactly right on the, on the city of Chicago stuff too. I also think the other thing to, to throw in there was I know that there was a petition that was floating around online um, that had a lot of traction and, and a ton of signatures um, advocating for um, more fans out at outdoor events. So I think the fact that the city of Chicago moved to allow professional you know, fans you know, to come back in, that was really the domino that really fell. But um, I, knew, I do know that there was a significant amount of pressure via petitions. I know there's been social media movements similar we've seen all year um, in order to get that done. Yep, there's definitely been a lot of that. So, uh, again, we'll continue to look forward to getting more news and maybe more details about what exactly this looks like, what exactly 20% capacity means. I'm assuming it's going to include – a requirement that people wear face coverings or masks. I mean, honestly, I'm hoping that, that I mean, I'm, I'd be surprised if we don't hear that. Let's put it that way. We've seen it everywhere else. So, um, uh, but yeah, uh, definitely uh, good news with the season just 11 days away. Uh, this is a crazy time for all of us with basketball, sort of in a home stretch. Soccer starts this week, volleyball next week. Um, but again, this is a Friday Night Drive football podcast, and that's what we're going to be talking about today. Uh, Jake, you and I were at uh, got to take in practice last week. Uh, last Wednesday was the first official practice. Um, I don't know about you, but it was really great to get out there, see um, you know the kids working out, see coaches, talk a little football. Um, the weather being in the mid fifties did not hurt. Uh, so. Uh, how did it feel for you to be out there? You know, the, the big takeaway that I had was that players and coaches alike, I think we're so tired of, of the no contact days. 
you know, where it just felt like they were just running sprints up and down. Maybe they could do a couple of small drill-related stuff off to the side. But it just wasn't quite the real thing. And I felt like there was just kind of a, an emotional shift, so to speak, when I was out there, specifically at St. Charles North. I mean, even in the open, they, they, were, they were lining up and they were doing stretches like they would right before a game. And there were kids clapping. There were kids hooping and hollering. I mean, I've never seen people excited to do stretching, but it seems like that's what, I mean, just the fact that they were out there and doing, you know, and doing things and, and being out there was, was huge for them. Uh, you know, from a morale, morale standpoint, especially because a lot of these guys, you know, haven't played quote unquote real football in so long. You know, I was talking to a number of these guys and, you know, even just getting these previews together and, and, and learning about these teams as, as we're about to get going. You know, a lot of times during the summer, we'd have seven on sevens, you know, and, and we would be out at a number of those different events. And so we could already start getting a head, head start on who is back, who's going to be a really good player this year, who's something to watch out for. And there really hasn't been that opportunity, especially from a media standpoint. So I think there's going to be a lot of learning media and coaches and players alike to see kind of how all this shakes out, because I just think yeah, there's, there's some unknowns right now. Yeah, definitely. And, and I agree with you about how just the excitement, um, just being out there in sort of a, you know, some, somewhat regular setting. Uh, I know I was at Glenbard West last Wednesday and their coach, Chad Hedlund said, I mean, I know we had contact days in the fall, but we were, you know, 10 feet apart, limited to what we can do. He said, it, you know, it didn't feel normal to us and it didn't feel normal to the kids. So um, this is a little bit more normal and it's good for them to be out there. Now, that being said, I mean, they uh, they are doing things to to be safe. Uh, I don't know what the other schools that you were at did, but at Glenbard West, they had sort of the position groups, almost in probably what they do normally. They they had them each kind of grouped in one area, so they were they were social distancing um, on the sidelines. They had um, dots set up, so when kids were not on the field, they would know to stand kind of far apart. Um, I know at Yorkville, uh, they are making a point to not have their quarterbacks be too close together in the event that maybe something happens to one of them. It doesn't happen to all of them. And they are also keeping their offense and their defense separated. So they're not kind of congregating in the same place. So there's some differences that people are doing in the world of COVID. Um, but still, it feels great to be out there. Absolutely. I, I think it's interesting. You, you mentioned, you know, keeping the quarterbacks apart because it quite frankly reminded me uh, you know, during the NFL season, if you remember with the Denver Broncos, they had to bring up that undrafted free agent who was a wide receiver that played, I think, like one game, you know, quarterback in college. And he had to start that game and because of the COVID contact tracing. So I think it's actually a cautionary tale. Maybe some other teams should start paying attention to this. Hey, we need to keep these guys separated in the event that something goes wrong. You know, we're not we're not throwing a, a guy that's normally, you know, whatever, wide receiver, running back, whatever. All of a sudden, you've got to throw in and play quarterback. But um, at that point, you play Wildcat and, and, and hope for the best. <laughs> yes, you do. Yes, you do. So uh, one of the uh, kind of topics that people have wondered as the season was delayed into the spring and then the different sports were sort of kind of jammed together in a, in a really short time period um, was just how it would affect numbers um, and how it would affect maybe specific kids, whether they would come out whether if you know if they played out their sports, 
or if they were, you know, major recruits, if they would choose not to play this spring with, with them going to college right away. Um, in my observations, you know, again, I've, I've talked to some, uh, some teams like at Glenbard West, um, Chad Hatlett said they're down about 15 people. Um, at, at Yorkville, they're, Dan McGuire said that they're right at where they normally would be, and he's happy about that. Um, you know, then you have the situations about people not wondering if they're gonna, wondering if they're going to play or not. Uh, you know, I talked to West Ho, a lineman from Glenbard West that's going to Syracuse. He told me that Syracuse wants to see him on the field. I mean, he's grown a lot. He's put on a lot of, you know, put on a, on weight and strength, and they want to see the West Ho as a senior, not as a junior. Uh, so they want to see it. His teammate, Denon Lenores, who's going to Iowa, um, same thing. Iowa wants to see him on the field. Um, then you have, you know, other kids. Um, I, I know that uh, there is a, a kid from Sandwich that I cover. Uh, not so much that maybe he's playing in college, but their coach told me that he's not playing any sports this spring just because it's been such a while since there's been sports. He's sort of checked out, which is, I mean, honestly, it's, it's kind of sad. I mean, it, it really is unfortunate to hear so i think we're going to be hearing a lot of those stories as we as we progress and go into the spring i know you had mentioned you were at st charles north um they have a really solid multi-sport athlete nick demarco uh, if i'm not mistaken he's not playing football he's going to notre dame for baseball yeah he's been playing basketball this year but he's not going to be playing football so I, and honestly i'm not 100 percent sure if he is playing baseball this season or not um but okay. for football he told me several months ago that he wasn't playing. So um, for them, you know, a huge hole for, for, for what they do on offense. They're going to be fine in terms of who they're replacing him with. But clearly, I mean, that's a name where you, you just don't want to lose, um, you know, if, if you're them. But, um, you know, I, I, think it, I think you bring up an interesting conversation here about do colleges want to see kids play or not. And, and I would tend to guess that the, the vast majority of them do because, you know, they, they offered and they recruited them based off of last year's film. You got to figure, you know, guys that have been putting on 10, 20 pounds, you know, in the offseason, you want to see the type of player that you're getting. I know there's the injury risk, but you got to know what you're getting, uh, you know, six months, you know, from where you need to be as opposed to a year and a half ago. Yeah. And the other uh, point that, uh, you know, Edgy Tim brought up in a podcast last week with Kyle and Steve Susie is that for a lot of these colleges, you know, they have kids going to, to school for them in the fall. And they have not played since the fall of 2019. Do they really want kids not competing, not playing, not getting better, and, and not playing for two years and then showing up and, and playing college? I mean, I, I honestly had not thought about that point until Tim brought it up about that colleges want kids to get out there because they have not been out there. And, and they want them to get better and, and, and show some growth. Yeah, exactly. So – like I said, I, I think I would tend to think that the vast majority of colleges want them out there. Um, and, and quite frankly, from a player's standpoint, I know there's been, uh, you know, individual circumstances. But every kid that I talked to at the football practice, you know, that I was at for North and, and for Camden, they were thrilled to be out here. This is all they were waiting for. You know, there are so many kind of breadcrumbs, you know, throughout the last year. Are we going to play? Are we not? And enthusiasm wasn't very high, but now it's here. Um, and, and they got six chances to, to make it happen. Um, so I know that a lot of these kids are going to go as, as hard as they can to be as successful as they can and, and really make the memories count. So with that, we'll take a quick break. We come back, we'll be breaking down 
um, some of the top teams in the Duquesne Conference and all across our coverages area for Friday Night Drive. You're listening to the Friday Night Drive podcast, and we'll be right back. More for your trade, the lowest price, rebates, down payment assistance, and more. At McHugh Chevy in St. Charles, we load heavy savings into every vehicle we sell. I'm Tobin Oberhauser, General Manager with This Promise. Come see us today, and you'll save heavy with McHugh Chevy. Shop McHughChevy.com. Welcome back to the Friday Night Drive podcast. Jake Barlis and Josh Welge taking over for Kyle and Steve this week uh, as we're breaking down uh, some of the top teams in our coverages area as the season's getting going here very quickly. Josh, we concluded that last segment talking about you know colleges wanting to see their kids play. Let's actually talk about some of the, the young talent that we are going to be seeing uh, so far uh, coming up this year. I don't know exactly where you want to start, but there's, there's plenty of options. Well, you know, I mentioned that I was at Glenbard West last Wednesday, and, and they are a team that, um, you know, they've obviously been a, a traditional power over the last decade or 12 years since Chad Hepbutt's been there. Um, you know, last season they were a team that was undefeated in the regular season. I think a lot of people thought that they had the capability of making a run possibly to the state finals. They got an unfortunate draw going to Loyola in the second round of the playoffs, and they lost a really close one. But they had a lot of guys coming back. And I remember uh, Hetlett telling me over the summer that he thought this had the chance to be one of his best teams over the last decade or so. And he reiterated that point to me this spring. And when he's telling me that, that tells me something because he's had some just dynamite teams. And seeing them on the field, uh, you know, I'm not an expert by any means, but it certainly backed it up. I mean, when you have guys like Wes Hose, who is just a – Mountain, mountain of, a, of alignment, just a big kid. Denilon Norris, uh, a guy that is going to be going to Iowa to play fullback. He's going to do tight end, defensive end uh, for Glenbard West. They have um, their two running backs coming back, Jalen Moore and Samson Zander, that combined for almost 3,000 yards rushing last season. They have their quarterback back. They have two of their linebackers back. And it was interesting watching them practice Coach Hetlett looked at me and he or looked pointed at the linebacker and he said, "We don't usually get. I mean, usually they're they're good always, but usually their linebackers are maybe a little bit undersized. Not this year. I mean, these guys are like six foot two, well over two hundred pounds. I mean, they're just dudes. And uh, it's interesting. They're not going to get a chance to play for a state championship this fall. But I I asked Ho, Ho and Lenora as I said, you know, how do you motivate yourself? And he said. The way we're looking at it is that we have six games to show to, to prove to us and to prove to everyone around the state the team that we could have been and that we would have been a state champion. And that's the way they're looking at it. And uh, good for them. Uh, bad news for the, the six teams that are going to be playing them. But uh, I'm really looking forward to seeing that team play this fall or this spring. Well, I had to catch myself. Yeah. I, I know. It is it is strange. I still have to catch myself, too. I have to look at the calendar and see what day it is because yeah. I, I never right. know anymore. Um, for me, the big team to, to pay attention to, at least in the Duquesne Conference, is Batavia. You know, the last number of years, they've ran into Nazareth. <laughs> Unfortunately, for their standpoint, uh, the talented team that they are, but they are returning a ton of um, strong, varsity-experienced guys. Kyle Roney, the quarterback, is coming back. Um, a number of their offensive linemen. Um, defensively, I think they're going to be really, really good. Matt Wirtz, I think a lot of people know about him. He's a middle linebacker who's going to be going to Arizona. I know they're also bringing back Ethan Etheridge. They got, um, you know, just a number of guys up front. 
um, that make life easy for them. So, uh, you know, I was talking to kind of Octavia, you know, just throughout the summer and stuff as, as contact days were going on. And, and there seems to be, and, and I've gone this long without even saying Trey Erweiler's name, which says something. Um, they, they feel like that they have a lot of talent that kind of similar where, you know, in a normal year, they'd probably be pushing for, um, you know, really deep in the playoffs and, and trying to make another run. So, um, Batavia is going to be very strong for them. Uh, the one other name I want to sne- uh, sneak in here before we might move off of them is Josh Dornick. He's a transfer, I think from Aurora Christian, if I'm not mistaken, or one of the Aurora schools. I've heard his name through DMs. I've heard his name just in talking with coaches and some kids. And they really think he's going to be a special athlete for them at that running back position for him. Yeah, uh, I, I have seen that as well I, uh, about that young man, that he is definitely a player to watch. Um, Batavia, the, the probably uh, the, the teams that have competed with them the most in the Duquesne Conference the last few years, St. Charles North, Wheaton, Warrenville South, uh, both of those teams are looking strong as well. Uh, Wheaton, Warrenville South returns um, their standout quarterback, Parker Brown. Um, they have uh, Jalen Brown, who is a, uh, I think he plays defensive end. Um, he's, they're both going to Southern Indiana. Uh, both guys are two players to watch for Wheaton South. And, of course, St. Charles North, uh, they have a, another newman. Tell me about him a little bit. I know Tyler is doing great things in Minnesota. Yeah, so Jordan, the younger brother of, of uh, former Chronicle Player of the Year, uh, Tyler Newman is now starting at Minnesota. Jordan uh, is his own man. Um, and, and he's making his own path, um, and I want to I want to stress that. I know there's a lot of attention around you know him being Tyler's younger brother, but he's going to make his own path, and he's done that. The best way that I can describe it is is that he has put on 30 pounds of muscle in the last year. I mean, I'm convinced when you look at 2019 tape as opposed to what happens this season, it's going to be a completely different player in that secondary. He's a lot thicker. He's he's gotten a lot stronger. Um, and, and he's got a preferred walk-on to, to go eventually join Tyler at, at Minnesota. So, um, a really, and he's just a great kid. Um, he puts in the work, um, at the practice that I was at. I mean, he was kind of hyping guys up and, and whatever else. So I'm really looking forward to seeing his hard work pay off for him, um, in that secondary, you know, so North, um, I, I think they're going to be, I think they're going to be pretty good. Um, you know, last year they, uh, had some injuries and they they weren't winning games as much down the stretch. Go four and five. They missed the playoffs after that state run the year before. Um, I, I think I think they're well positioned for a successful six game stretch. Michael Priami's a, a quarterback transfer from from Bartlett. Um, I think he's going to be getting a, a lot of playing time. They've spoken pretty highly of him. Uh, Sam D. Dabalier, um is a senior. I'm assuming he's going to be in the mix in there as well. Um, so. Uh, and there, I, I've, I've gone this long without saying his name, Carmen Bastone, who's going to be going to Northwestern um, as an off, uh, preferred walk-on offensive lineman, defensive lineman, an absolute mauler. And what's it's so awesome about him, he's so quiet. Like, he, like him, the football player, and him just like him as an individual is so different because he puts the pads on and he's mean and he's going to go hit you. But off the field, he's pretty soft-spoken. Yeah, well, you know, you see that sometimes when guys are big guys and and yet it doesn't really, they're not like that off the field, but certainly they're not people that you want to run into, you know, on a Friday night or a Saturday afternoon. Speaking of the Duquesne Conference, um, I know the schedules are going to be different this year with it only being a, a six-game season and no playoffs. And uh, a couple of things that stood out about the Duquesne Conference 
One is, if I'm not mistaken, they're playing 5.30 kickoffs on Fridays. And the other thing, you might have a little bit more insight to that. Um, aren't they doing sort of a week four through six sort of um, – I'm not sure how to explain it. But I don't see – tell me a little bit more about that. I, I'm a little bit wondering about how they're going to do that. Right. So some of the details I still have to kind of figure out here. But the fact of the matter is, is essentially they're going to have these first three games – and then the following three games, depending on how those go, they're going to reseed and, and then kind of do those matchups that way. So, um, like, I know the one game that I have circled at the top of my list, it's week one, it's Batavia St. Charles East. Um, you know, that's going to be a great one. So those those first three will play, and then I think they're going to reseed, and then you're going to start seeing, like, because there's a lot of crossover with the Wheatons um, and, like, Lake Park, and they're going to be playing each other to start, and then you're going to see a lot of, uh, St. Charles, North, Batavia, uh, you know, start off the season that way and then reseed and go from there. Interesting. There, There is definitely going to be some uh, different differences schedule-wise. I think the Duquesne Conference, for the most part, is playing on Friday nights. From what I've seen, uh, there's some leagues that are playing on Saturdays. Of course, week three is uh, Easter and Good Friday weekend. So there's quite a few, uh, not only Saturday games, but Thursday games as well. An interesting one for me is uh, Glenbard West is actually hosting Downers Grove North on Thursday night, April 1st. It's going to be the first night home game in Glenbard West uh, program history. Um, usually they play on Saturdays because Duchon Field doesn't have lights, but Duchon Field is a grass field and has some drainage issues, and they're not going to. It's not going to be ready until week six potentially. So anyway, they're playing in Memorial Field week three on a Thursday night. But, uh, again, schedules are going to be a little bit different this year with, um, obviously, a lot of Friday night games um, with some different kickoff times, some on Saturday, some on Thursday. Uh, you mentioned Batavia St. Charles East in week one as a game you're looking forward to. I tell you what, there's a game that I'm looking forward to week one, and that is St. Francis and IC Catholic Prep. I mean, those two teams, they played a dynamite game last year. St. Francis snapped IC's long winning streak of over 30, 30 games. It was 30, 33 games, something like that. It was, it was. incredible. And, and both those teams, I, I teamed up with Kyle Neighbors on the conference preview. Um, they look loaded again this year, and I'm looking forward to seeing that, that game. Yeah, Tommy Rittenhouse, of course, the top of the list, uh, Illinois State recruit at quarterback. Uh, you know, you bring up that IC Catholic game, and, and that was the one that he got injured. Uh, and, their, and their backup had to come in, and the defense had to kind of close it out. I think it was a 20-19 game. Uh, St. Francis won that one. But um, you got to think that Tommy's had that one kind of circled to stay healthy and, and to finish off, you know, you know that game. Yeah, he definitely has. And I'm sure, I'm sure IC's had it penciled in uh, on her calendar as well. They bring back uh, their dynamic running back, Kyle Franklin, who's run for over or close to 5,000 yards in his high school career. I mean, I remember that kid when he was a freshman and he was breaking off long runs as a freshman thinking how special of a running back he was going to be. And he, and he certainly has been. And again, he's back for his fourth season. They have Chauncey Lee, who's a wide receiver DB that's going to Eastern Illinois. He's a really talented player, but getting back to St. Francis, they're a team that um, Bob McMillan, wow, he's done a, quite a job kind of bringing them back to prominence the last few years. They had the back-to-back one and eight seasons, but then they followed it up uh, with a playoff season in 2018, and then they won ten games uh, in 2019. Got to the quarterfinals. They bring back Rittenhouse. Um, they have T.J. McMillan, 
um, who's a sophomore lineman. If you don't know the name, you might want to get to know him because a lot of colleges know about him. He already has like five Division One offers, and he hasn't even played a snap as a sophomore. Um, Tyler Duzanski, who's one of the top long snappers in the country, he's going to Penn State. And then they had a number of guys that transferred in this year that is going to make them even more difficult to contend with. And I know Coach McMillan told me he thinks this is one of his most athletic teams that that, that St. Francis had in years. Um, they brought in Grayson Griffin, who is a linebacker transferred from Bonzi Valley. Um, he had almost 200 tackles over the last two years total. Uh, Elijah Lee, a wide receiver, also coming in from Wabonzi. They had a wide receiver slash running back slash quarterback come in from Downers Grove North and then a running back from Naperville Central. Sorry, I'm kind of trying to blank on those two names, but uh, I guess the long and the short of it is St. Francis is going to be pretty stacked this year. Yeah, they should be. And and, um, I can't say enough about the job that McMillan and his staff has done to turn it around. I do think, I mean, I I would like to add there, I mean, they, they did switch conferences. You know, they went from the, you know, Chicago Catholic to uh, Metro Suburban. So, you know, there, there's a little bit of a shift there, but I mean, you play who you play and, and they've been winning. So um, props to them. Yeah. And in the six game schedule, um, I mean, I, I mentioned they're going to be playing IC Catholic in week one. They play later in the season. Uh, KK Bishop McNamara. Uh, that was another kind of a classic game last year that came down to the last play of the game where Rittenhouse threw a touchdown pass uh, to, to win the game. So, uh, again, looking forward to seeing uh, I, I see in St. Francis and what they can bring. Um, you know, we've mentioned St. Francis, some of the guys that they have coming in. I wanted uh, one program, Nazareth, uh, who's been, you mentioned earlier, a really dynamic team the last few years. Um, I would say probably they were affected in a maybe negative sense as, any, as any, much as any program uh, that we cover maybe in the state. Uh, J.J. McCarthy, who is the number one uh, recruit in this senior class, he left last summer, transferred to IMG Academy in Florida. He had a great year there, and now he's in Michigan. I mean, he was an early enroll at Michigan. Didn't they win the state title uh, down there in Florida? He won a lot of things. Yeah. <laughs> so he had, a, he, had, he, had a, he had a great season for them. Uh, Landon Morris, who was a wide receiver for them, uh, he left to go back to Indiana where he started in high school, and, and a few other players left as well. Um, but the cover is not bare. Uh, Tower Morris, uh, junior wide receiver, one of the top receivers in the country. He has offers from Notre Dame, Michigan, what have you. Um, he's going to be a player to watch. And uh, and with Nazareth, I'm, I'm looking forward to seeing what they have uh, because I know what they lost, but I'm sure that they have other guys coming in. And I thought I saw, I read their coach, Tim Racky saying that given that the fall season is only a few months away, of course, he's going to want the seniors to be able to opportunity to get on the field. But excuse me, he he wants to get all of his guys in because he wants to see what some of the underclassmen have. Because again, the fall season is just a few months away, and those sophomores and maybe juniors, they're going to be juniors and seniors in the fall, and, and he wants to, he wants them to be ready, and he wants to get an idea about what they have too. Yeah, then and that makes all sense in the world, and I think every coach would would agree with that. Is try to get as much as we can, so I know. Um, the other name I'd like to throw in there for Nazareth, Aiden Piper, who's a former quarterback at St. Charles North. Um, he had transferred in. I'm not sure exactly if he's going to be in the mix to start or not, but he was kind of a standout player on their sophomore team. Um, 
I'm not 100% of the reason sure on, on why he transferred, but part of it might have had to do with the fact that there was you know uncertainty with is the season going to play. The other part was is uh, Priyami coming in and transferring from Bartlett. So that maybe there's a little blockage there on the depth chart. But regardless, um, I know he's probably going to be in the mix for Nazareth. Yeah, yeah, you would certainly think so. I mean, obviously there's not a J.J. McCarthy there, so the competition, I mean, I don't know for sure, but I would assume the competition's a little more wide open than there would be without J.J. McCarthy there. Um, I know we're talking about kids that have come and go. Uh, one quarterback, a name that, that, that kind of came into my knowledge last summer was Trey Jones, who is going to be a sophomore, uh, already has an offer from Arizona State. He transferred and left Montini to move to Georgia uh, either last summer or early in the fall. Um, but it's my understanding that he's moved back and he's now in Montini again. So they are going to be, uh, you know, they're always a team to watch. But I'm interested to see what that young man brings to the table as a sophomore. Um, they were scheduled to open their season uh, against Mount Carmel. But in case people haven't seen, Mount Carmel shut down. So their basketball uh, team is, I'm assuming their season's over with. And it's my understanding that Mount Carmel, their first two games are not going to be played. And they play Montini where they're scheduled to play Montini week one. So that game is obviously off. And that kind of brings me to something that, you know, I'm really looking forward to seeing how this season goes. And I'm really excited to see kids out there. But we also have to understand that we're still in a pandemic. And, and there's there's going to be situations like that that happen. Hope, fortunately, or hopefully not too many. Um but, it, but it's going to happen. Oh, yeah, in terms of, you know, maybe if the move kickoff up or, you know, different yeah. matchups and different things. There's going to be a lot of different variables, so make sure you're glued to Friday Night Drive um, for uh, the most comprehensive news analysis. Um, Steve Susi does an amazing job with his rankings and schedules and everything. He's been working really hard, so make sure you are glued to Friday Night Drive um, for all of that. Josh, I think we're coming up on time here, so uh, any uh, last-second thoughts here before we wrap up? No, I'm just looking forward to seeing some football. We're only 11 short days away, and I'm I'm really hoping that the, the weather can continue to cooperate like it has the last week. Absolutely. Make sure you're following us on social media channels at FN Drive on Twitter. We're also on Facebook. Uh, and make sure you're subscribed if you haven't already. That'll do it for us. Jake Bartleson, Josh Welgie, thanks so much for making us a part of your afternoon, and we'll see you next time. Schweiker, Gannison, Krizak, Rundio proudly sponsors the Friday Night Drive. I'm Mike Krizak. If you've been injured, we are ready to take on the insurance company and get you to the end zone. We've recovered hundreds of millions of dollars for our clients. Visit gannassin.com.